Amen. Have y'all been touched? You're never the same. Amen. Amen. God is amazing. He transforms our lives and He makes us anew. And uh, what we know through Scripture is that we are then given a new, new creation. And we make that commitment that we are now a new creation and, and we are no longer the same and we are transformed from, from death to life. We are no longer in darkness, but now we are in the light. We are in the kingdom of God. And it's because He touched us and He made us whole. Today we'll be talking about the power of one. If I were to name my sermon, it would be that. I'm not actually good at naming sermons, to be honest. And I typically uh, do it later. <laughs> I just go to the Word, and I'm like, okay, what do you want to name this, God? Right? But today, I actually have a name for it. It's the power of one. What can one do? It takes one seed to make one tree. It takes one tree to make one forest. One step becomes one mile, one mile becomes one journey, one thought becomes one decision, and one decision becomes one habit, and one habit becomes one lifestyle, and one lifestyle becomes one's destiny. It takes one spark to create a flame, and it takes one flame to become one inferno. What can one do, we might ask? There's only one you. There's only one Dustin one Beverly, one of each and every one of you, one Andy, one Mickey, one of each, every one of you. There is only one, only one, one heart, one dream, one future, one life. What can one do, you may ask? What, one, what can one person do? It took one man, one day, on one cross, to pay one cost to change one world. What could one do with one minute, one hour, one day? What could you do with one person, one family, one community? What if one person stood up for Jesus Christ and didn't care what other people thought? What if one person decided to change this world? What if that one person was you? One life matters. One person matters. And there is power in one. Because one person set apart by the, the power of Jesus Christ can do immeasurably more than what we can think and imagine. It starts with one. Helen Keller once said this, I am only one. But still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I can do I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. One life matters. And there is power, there is power even in one. In the Bible, there is example by example of how the power of one person can influence the world, can change other people's lives through the power of Jesus Christ. 
the power of God in each and every one of them. One person can, can make a difference and change the course of history. We can look at people like Moses. Moses, he didn't have it all together. Moses, who stuttered, who, who could, wasn't very confident, who God called and confronted, he confronted Pharaoh. He confronted Pharaoh and he led the Hebrew people into freedom from slavery in Egypt. You look at Queen Esther. Yes, a woman, Queen Esther, can, use, can be used to change the course of history. And women have done that throughout history. And they will continue to do that. God can use anybody. It doesn't, doesn't matter who they are. Queen Esther, who saved the Jewish people with, their, with her cleverness, that God used her and her imagination. And he, she led them and changed them the course of history and then led to the destruction of of the enemies. <coughs> King David, who has a young boy, we talked about this in Bible study on Wednesday, which I encourage y'all to be a part of. God is doing some great things even in that small amount of time that we spend with each other. <coughs> King David, as a young boy, he went to the battlefield and he stood by himself against Goliath, which was over nine feet tall, huge giant. And this young boy protected his people. Jesus used individuals to change the course of history. He used a young little boy. Think about the little boys that might be around you. Your grandchildren. Your child. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. Jesus used a little boy in his lunch to feed thousands upon thousands of people. God got a hold of Paul. Paul who didn't have it all together. God, Paul who used to kill Christians. In the New Testament, he transformed his life. And because of Paul's call on his life and his determination... His determination to allow Gentiles to become followers of Jesus Christ without becoming Jews first. It changed church history forever. Amen. And the list goes on and on and on of people throughout this word, this living word that we can look at and we can read about individuals who were set apart by God who did amazing things for him. The power of one, one person can make a difference. And I believe that there is people that's with the sound of my voice that you are an individual and you might doubt yourself, but I'm telling you that God doesn't doubt you. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and He wants to use each and every one of you to change a generation and to change this world. There is power in one because that one person can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to do great things. And so today we're going to spend time in the power of one. The power of one life, and that is Jesus Christ, who encounters one soul, and it completely changed that person forever. And it changed the course of a community. We'll be in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, we'll be reading from verse 1 through verse 20. Mark chapter 5, 
verse 1. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gerasians. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly, not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country, and the people uh, came to see what was happening. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, and sitting there clothed and in the right mind, and they were afraid. Hmm. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he said, and he did, and he did not permit him, and he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Dicopolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So here you see Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, the Lord, who comes and, and gets out of a boat and a man runs and greets him. And it wasn't just some friendly man. It was some man that was feared by his community, who didn't have it all together, who was you know, filled with a demonic um, spirit who was unclean, who was cutting himself, who was naked. Talk about naked and afraid. This would definitely be afraid. And so it was craziness. He was cutting himself and he was screaming at nearby residents and they were afraid of him. But yet, at the command of Jesus... This is how powerful Jesus was and still is today. At the command of Jesus, all that changed. 
When you're confronted by Jesus Christ and you encounter Him and you fully understand who He is and what's power in Him, when you ask anything from Him, when it's commanded by Him, everything changes. And that is exactly what happened to this man. He comes running. He is filled with this unclean spirit. It's been going on for a while. He's living in the cemetery of the day. I mean, he's among the tombs. I mean, it's a scary moment. Like, anything in uh, Halloween doesn't have anything on this. Like, this is a scary moment in history. Like, people shun this man tried to chain him up, and he was so powerful, the chains couldn't hold him. The shackles couldn't hold him. Like, he was a scary man. Anybody encountered somebody that might be similar to this man? Maybe not. It's not a very common thing that we, you know, roll up on. We don't really always see people living out in cemeteries like this man. But yet... Maybe there's people in your life that you just have a fear around them. You can just sense the darkness that's around them. That you can tell that they're full of something and it ain't good. And you don't want it in their life. In your life, right? But see, Jesus encountered this man and all things changed. Jesus commanded the demons to get out. He goes even further in detail. He says, who are you? What is your name? And they respond because whenever darkness is addressed by the light, it has to respond because Jesus is power. Jesus has authority over heaven and earth and even under the earth. He has authority over all things. And so he addressed them and they said, we are legion for we are many. See, legion was common there to describe an army, a huge amount of people. And so they addressed Jesus and said, we are legion. We are many. And you discover that there is thousands of evil spirits that's living inside of this one man. But yet they have no power over Jesus. Whenever you encounter Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what oppression you have in your life, what stronghold you have in your life. doesn't matter what darkness you have in your life. When you encounter Jesus Christ and He touched you, then you are made whole, you are made complete. You can be delivered from that by the power of Jesus' name. And He commands them. He drives the demons out. But then... We have to address something that's going on here. It goes into the pigs. Now, I'm sure Peta would read this and be like, oh, see, Jesus went and done this. Like, he is attacking the animals and, you know, it freak out. But if you really look here, it wasn't him that's wanting to destroy the pigs. Which I don't have to answer to Peta. Don't get me wrong here. <laughs> I can care less, right? Answering to Peta. <laughs> Um, but he gives permission. He grants them permission to go. See, he has authority over that. He has authority over darkness. To even the darkness, even the demons, even Satan has to ask for permission to do something. And he sends them out into the pigs. Now many of us, we have this joke, you know, well, I'll do such and such when 
pigs fly. And I'm not sure if pigs do fly, but I can tell you in this passage, they can't swim. (laughs) But see, Jesus goes and and does this. And and see, they go into these pigs, and it says that there's like 2,000 pigs. Like, that's a lot of pigs. Like, I've been to pig farms, but I haven't been to that many pig farms that has that many pigs in them. 2,000 pigs. But see, these pigs... They stand for something greater than just a, a pig. In our mind, in our imagination, we just think, oh, pig, great, oh, cool, great. Mm. They just go and they can't swim and they drown. I'm glad because I didn't want demons in that, this area anyway. You know, that's what goes through your mind, right? But there's so much more going on. See, to the Jewish people, you know, pigs isn't very significant to them because This is unclean. This is an unclean animal. They wouldn't eat these animals. But to the Gentiles, they liked this. They lived off of pigs. This would be their economy. And so now, Jesus commands the demons to go into these pigs. They go and they can't swim and they drown and and they're, they're gone forever. To the local economy, they're like, oh, no, you didn't, Jesus. You just went and messed with our agriculture system. Like, you just messed with our uh, bottom dollar. Like, now where are we going to get our income? Now where are we going to eat? And they're mad. And they say, get out of here. We are begging you, get out of here. And I'm like, I'm reading this, I'm like, this man was living in the cemeteries. He was, you know, scary. He couldn't be bound by a chain. He is now sitting at Jesus in his right mind. He's no longer naked. He is clothed. He is in one mind. He can communicate with them. He is no longer screaming and yelling at them. Like, why are you scared? Why are you scared? But see, to the people, it wasn't about the man. It was about the economy. It was about the economy. Their priorities were not right. See, when Jesus changes you, he got, He's going to deal with you wholly. He's going to set you apart. And sometimes it's going to affect the community. And the community might not always love it. They began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. Now, I don't think anybody here, I could be wrong, I don't think anybody here is pig farmers, right? Okay. So at least I, I, I uh, think that that doesn't really concern you if, if uh, you know, pigs go, you know, 2,000 and die. But following Jesus probably won't mean a complete collapse of your enterprise, your way of living. But following Jesus does come with a cost. The salvation he offers means depending wholly on him instead of what come what we come to trust as, a, as safety. Sometimes our safety net disappears because we follow Jesus. Sometimes it might mean that financially it might make some decisions that's financially going to be unsettling to us. But it's way more important to follow Jesus in those times where He is calling and leading you instead of following what the world standard is. 
And yet this community didn't understand it. They saw what Jesus done. And yet they were focused on the world. They were focused on their economy. And they missed out an opportunity to go and be set apart just like that man was. How many of us in our community might miss out on that as well? Because we are so focused on the world. When you are completely changed by Jesus, you want more and more of Him. I remember whenever I started following Jesus, I couldn't get enough of Him. I wanted more. I wanted to grow deeper. I wanted to spend time in His Word. I wanted to be spending time in prayer. I wanted to connect with Him. I wanted to do everything. Like I remember I used to go and I would paint and I would mow for this, this man in Ashboro. And on my lunch break, I would be in my car sitting at a park there and I would be reading His Word while I ate my lunch because I was hungry for more and more of Him. And so was this man. He wanted to be around Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to leave that area where he was a social outcast. He wanted to leave that area. But Jesus had other plans. He didn't say to go. He said to stay. He said to go and be a missionary in this town to your people, to this region. He went away and he began to proclaim into this region, this area. How much Jesus had changed him. And everyone marveled. They marveled. Yet they wanted to kick Jesus out. But yet they heard the testimony of this man. And he mar- they marveled after him. If you go and you follow this. You go follow the narrative of the gospel. You go follow Jesus' story. He comes back to this region of Diopolis, you go and you see and you, you hear what's going on. Now he enters the, the land and people bring people to him to bring the sick, bring those that needed to be healing to Jesus. So here it is. You see, one man is changed by the power of Jesus Christ. They throw Jesus out of the, and beg him to leave the area. Jesus goes and says, Go and proclaim it to your friends. Go to your town. Go to the community. When Jesus comes back into the area, into the region, people are different. People are changed. That one person, that one man that was even known for being a demonic person that that was possessed by an unclean spirit goes and reaches other people and made a difference in a community. One person can make a difference there is power of one you might be looking at your own life and think i've done this i've done that i'm known by this community as such and such i am this world thinks down on me i could never be set apart by jesus christ that is not true jesus christ can get a hold of your life and transform you from the inside out and you can be an example to your family to your friends to your co-workers to to everybody you come in contact with because when he's living through you he can do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine because of the power that lives in you there's a story i, I ran across this week it's the story of a missionary couple. The year was 1921. It was uh, the, the Flood family. David and... How do you say that name? Sphia? See, I can't, I can't read um, uh, 
people from Sweden uh, have a tough time. Sevilla, Sevilla. It's hard to roll off like that. It's hard for me to roll my R's. It's hard for me to roll my S's too. Sevilla, David and Sophia Flood. They were missionaries. They were from Sweden, and they were called to go to Africa. And so David and Sophia went as missionary couples to, to the Belgium Conga area of Africa. They met up with another missionary couple called the Ericsons. And the four of them sought the Lord for directions, and they wanted to know what, where they were to go. And so they, the Lord led them to this remote village in this area. And, but the chief didn't want them there. They wanted to be in the village and live among the people, but they were not allowed to live among the people. They weren't even allowed to minister in the area. So many people, if they, were, uh, they encountered that wall, they would leave, right? Not them. They felt hard-pressed that they were to stay in that area, so they went outside in the mountainous area in this small village, and they lived outskirts. They actually built mud huts themselves, and they lived on the outskirts of this area. And they began to pray. They began to pray that God would open the door. Sevea used to pray, God, if you called us here, open the door. Bring supernatural deliverance here. Open the door. But nothing seemed to happen. The only contact with the village that they had was this young little boy who was allowed by the chief to go and sell chickens and eggs twice a week. And so Sevea Flood, this little tiny woman who only stood about four feet, eight inches tall, decided that if this is the only African that I have a connection with and the only one that I can ever talk to, then I am going to lead that boy to Jesus Christ. And that is, in fact, what she did. She succeeded. She led that boy to Jesus Christ. But malaria was really bad in that area and it began to affect all the people there and many people died. It had even impacted this missionary team. Every one of them was affected somehow by by this malaria. And the Erickson had had enough. That family decided that we're done and we're returning to the central mission station. And so the Flood family were there alone. And so Sevea was pregnant. She became pregnant. Like I said, she'd had bouts with malaria. But she had this little girl. But because of the battle of malaria, very soon she gave birth to her daughter. But Savea died. David was devastated, like many of us men would be if our wives died. He was devastated. He had his little baby girl he was angry. He was frustrated. He said, God has ruined my life. I'm going home. I'm going home. And he took his baby. He went to the missionary compound. He said, here. He handed the baby off to the Ericsons who were there. And she lived with them for a very short time. And the Ericsons, because of the, the bout with malaria, they ended up dying. And so then an American couple who were also missionaries in the area, got a hold of this baby, and they they loved on this baby, and they, they decided to take this baby with them. They went back to America, 
And they were missionaries, but they felt like for the safety of, of this little girl that they should to not go back to America. I'm going to go back to Africa. And so little Angie, I mean little Aggie, sorry, little Aggie is what they called her. Little Aggie grew up. She lived among this pastoral family. She married someone that was called to be a pastor herself. They started serving in churches. And then, out of the blue, a magazine from Switzerland showed up. It was a missionary magazine. And she was scrolling through it. She couldn't understand it because she can't read you know, the language. And so she saw this white cross that said, Savea Flood. She knew enough about the, her story to recognize those words. And she was excited. She didn't know who, who brought it to her. She's like, oh no, i got to read more about this. So she went to her friend to translate for her. And she began to read about Savea Flood, about how there was this little boy that was saved by a little lady named Savea Flood, and he became a Christian when he was very young. He grew up and eventually convinced the chief of the village to build a school. He built a school and eventually led every single person to Jesus Christ that was in that school. Every student eventually came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Eventually, the, the chief of that area, of, of that village, became a follower of Jesus Christ as well. And soon the whole village was known for following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 600 plus people were now following Jesus Christ. Aggie heard about this and was just happy, just full of joy about her, her mom and her faithfulness. She decided that she was going to find her dad. She went to Switzerland and her dad, just to, to give you a little bit of a recap of what his life was been, it was full of rage, it was full of envy, it was full of pride, it was full of all different kinds of things and he turned from God and turned to a bottle. He became an alcoholic, and so she entered his room and had to kick out uh, alcoholic bottles all over the place to get to him. He, she found him and said, Dad, Daddy, I wanted to tell you a story. Mom's death wasn't wasted. God knew what he was doing. He said, God, God ruined my life. Don't bring up that name. She went on. She said, Mom led a little boy to the Lord, and you know that. Well, that little boy led 600 other people to Jesus Christ, and he has transformed that area. And she began to share the gospel once again to her dad, who then turned from his wicked ways, and he turned back to Jesus Christ. And only a short amount of time later, because of his health and because of alcoholism, his, her dad died. So a couple years came by, went by, and a few years later, she was at a missionary conference. And a man was speaking there about the missions in Zayar, which was, it was now called... After the meeting, Aggie went up to him and said, Let me ask you a question. Do you know a woman named Savea Flood? Savea Flood. He looked at her and he said, Absolutely, I know her. 
That woman was the woman who led me to Jesus Christ. And because of her, my family is different. Because of her, my village is transformed. Because of her faithfulness, I'm different. You see, he was now a leader in a missionary organization that had 110,000 members in it. He was speaking at this conference and talking about what the mission work of God has done. And he told her, you have to come to Africa. Because your mom is the most famous person in our history because of her faithfulness to the call of God on her life. She transformed my life. And God used her to turn around a village, to transform a village, a people, a family, a community. And she did. She went back and she saw how God had changed that nation. God can do great things with one life. That life can be yours as well. Like I said before, you might be here, you might think that you are a failure. But God wants to transform your life from the inside out. He wants to take your ways, the ways of this world, and He wants to transform it in the ways of His kingdom. He wants to take and and show you what His Son did on the cross for you thousands of years ago where He took your sin and He bore it on the cross and He spilled out blood on your behalf. He wants to forgive you of your sins. But He doesn't want to stop there. He wants to fill you anew, fill you with the Holy Spirit and sanctify your life like no other and set you apart in such a mighty and powerful way that when you walk out of these doors and you walk into your homes and when you walk into your neighborhoods and your workplace that they see something different in you just like that that village saw in that little boy one life one person can transform a nation a community a world are you that one person are you that one that God is calling out to right now if so If that is you, I encourage you right now in this moment, if that is you, if you are that one person that the angels of heaven will rejoice over, if that is you, I want you to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. God knows. If that is you, it doesn't matter if other people are looking. Guess what? (laughs) The world will look eventually anyway. You're in company. This is a family of God we are celebrating if that is you I encourage you to stand to your feet and acknowledge that God is wanting to move in your life I believe that there's somebody here that's fighting it that you're battling it I was that that was me That was who I was. I was fighting it. And I gave in. And I've been changed ever since. If it's you, if the Lord's calling you, don't not respond today. Eternity is at stake. 
your life is at stake. The reality is, is there is a heaven and it's a beautiful place and it is glory and it is amazing and it is beautiful and it is right relationship with God the Father forever and ever and ever. But the reality is, is that there is also another place and that place is hell and it's eternal punishment for what we have done. And I don't want anybody on my watch to go to hell. So if that is you this morning, May you stand to your feet. May you respond to the gospel. May you start following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. As we sing this last closing song, this is about giving your life away to Jesus Christ. May you respond to the gospel. Maybe you didn't want us to respond by standing up Maybe you want to respond by walking forward here at this altar and kneeling and praying and asking Jesus into your heart. So as we sing, you come, and I encourage those prayer warriors, if they see somebody come, come and pray around these people. Lead them to Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. Amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.